but throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointers. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. another episode of coast to coast as always Ronan, what's going on man it's good to see you again oh man not much it's uh we're still in lockdown but we got nba basketball to keep us excited and we're going to talk about it right now yeah i mean I'm, I'm pretty happy that you are always so excited to talk basketball every week but man you, you guys gotta gotta get something going on over there <laughs> you haven't done anything in months no no we got, we got we got Christmas and that that has that has plunged us into desperation. So, so I mean, if if we had a big COVID outbreak, would you just be staring at the wall for the next however long if that happened? Um, yes. No, no NBA basketball. That'd be it. Well, all right, we we hope that doesn't happen. Over here, it's it's freezing freezing cold. We got snow covering the whole country. Everything's more more craziness. We're we're used to it at this point after this past year. Um, but let's, let's jump into it, man. Another team that we've, we've been talking about all, all season long, the Lakers, not in the news for anything good this time. Anthony Davis is going to be out for at least maybe a month. He's not going to see the court f- for at least three weeks. He's going to be reevaluated. Um, you're showing me something on your phone there, and I can't see it because we, we, don't, we don't have technology for this. I don't, I don't have the facilities. <laughs> it says I'm you're calling, calling you. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't get enough of you. I just want to get more of you. All right. Anyways, but back to it. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Are are you worried about this? He had this uh Achilles tendinosis, um, missed a couple of games last week and re-aggravated it. And now luckily, I mean they dodged a bullet. He did not tear his Achilles. He had this really scary moment grabbing his calf. Um, and he's only gonna be out a few weeks here, but are you worried about LeBron taking on this load? We, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, how much longer can he go carrying this team with now no Anthony Davis? Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little scared here. Not not really for the record, but in terms of LeBron pushing for this MVP race, which, you know, you, you should. It's inspiring to me. But how, how much longer does his immortality last here? I'm not worried. I never, I never worry about LeBron. <laughs> Every time I think I should start worrying about him, he just does something crazy to make me think that he's gonna, he's gonna be playing forever. Uh, you would think that it's gonna come a point where he's gonna have to rest, but I think all the work he does to keep himself, the shape that he does, all those, all those glasses of wine that he wants to get to after games, all these days, you know, they're just, they're just working <laughs> for him, you know. I mean, 
this guy, he's just, he's a ridiculous athlete. And I mean, we keep going on about his age, but I mean, there's plenty of guys who have been around that age who have got the time they put in, they've had the long careers like LeBron. They've still been able to do it when they're getting to 35 plus. So I think we shouldn't be too surprised that he's, he's able to keep going and, and his commitment to this game and to his, his body, it, it, that's why he's able to do this. And I think even without AD, AD, I mean, they're obviously hoping after the All-Star break, he's going to be back 100%. But this is, this sort of injury is, is it's a, it's a dodgy one. You don't really know when it's going to flare up again. It's a tough one to kind of nip in the bud. It's not just like a, a heal, a bone that needs healing or a muscle that needs healing. Like this is a real, this is a very sensitive uh, injury for AD, and I think they just have to take their time. Obviously, they've got the best guys on the medical staff working with him, so they just need to take their time and just do whatever they can to make sure that when AD does come back, he's at 100%. But, you know, I don't think Lakers fans need to be too worried with uh, with just LeBron uh, running, running the show. Uh, some of the role players that they got in, uh, this off season, they're kind of stepping up now as well, and they're showing showing their quality with a uh, during during AD's absence, like like Schroeder and like uh, Montrezl Harrell. So I th- I don't think they had to be too worried. I think they got a big test uh, coming up against the the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, other than that, I think I think they're they're in they're still in a pretty good pretty good place even without AD. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally think about it in ter- in two ways. Like one, it's the short term. You don't worry about the short term. LeBron's going to be successful right now. I, I don't think he's going to break down in front of our eyes. I mean, you, you hope not. I mean, I guess you can only look back to his first stint with the Lakers when he had, I mean, his first major injury, which was a hip injury, kept him out for much of the season there. He didn't make the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, he's looked as, as sturdy as ever. But with AD, um, I mean, it's kind of like this elephant in the room that hasn't really been talked about for a while that – it was so celebrated and rightfully so they, they raised the trophy last year when they got Anthony Davis. Um, but what wasn't talked about a lot really was this hefty baggage that came with him, this long list of past injuries. And they've, they've never been necessarily career ending uh, at risk, but it, when you talk about a calf strain and Achilles tendinosis on the same leg, you, you get worried. Like you don't want to push him here. Like you really want to give him as much time because you look at Anthony Davis, not just as the guy who's going to help LeBron win uh, a couple more titles here in LA. You, you look at him as he's going to be that transitioning star. He's going to be, you know, hopefully maybe a top five player eventually once LeBron is gone, he's going to be the Lakers star. Um, so you, you really want to be, as careful as possible because you're not just thinking playoffs you're thinking hey like he's going to be our guy when lebron's gone um so i guess i'm a little bit worried about it when you think about the bigger context of his career and the injuries he's had in the past and the fact that you'd kind of hope that right now anthony davis is is the guy that lebron is leaning on to be the young the young star while lebron's taken back to backs off yeah, I don't think we expected LeBron at age 36 to be pushing as many minutes as he is and dominating in the same fashion as he is. Not because he's not that good, but because, you know, he can he can wait to the playoffs. But you know, I, I think this is just going to be another another big chapter in uh, what could be 
the greatest MVP season that LeBron's ever had and a great chapter to his legacy for him to be this successful and this dominant late in his career. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the biggest thing that's getting me is the fact that people are like, okay, AD's out, out injured now. Okay, well, let's forget about the Lakers. Let's start looking at the Clippers and the Nets. That's crazy. <laughs> and people are, well, obviously they're, they're sleeping on the Lakers and it's not like AD is out for the whole year or anything, but the Clippers, they're two stars, both struggling with injuries. And uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, obviously Harden's been okay. KD is currently out. He's going to miss the game against the Lakers as well tonight. That could, we've been kind of waiting for this to happen with KD. He's looked too good almost coming coming out of that, uh, coming back from that, uh, that torn Achilles. Kyrie is having, he's, he's struggling with back-to-back games. He's kind of, seems to be playing every second game really as well. So, I mean, these other teams are in just as in similar situations, if not worse situations than the Lakers are in at this moment. I know, I know. And and that's that's exactly what I want to talk about too. I mean, the, this this injury bug, among, among other things that are being spread across the league, is, is definitely in LA as the Clippers... And they're still dealing with Paul George. He's um, his injured toe is now being called a toe edema, which is, you know, it's, it's just a swelling of the bone. It's, it's nothing crazy, but it's, it's something that, you know, can linger. It, it's, it's a lingering issue. I mean, you look at other players who've had bone edema injuries before, you know, sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months. And I mean, they, they haven't expressed that necessarily, but um, for Paul George to be out, and, you know, Ka- Kawhi rested last night for this, you know, it, maybe it's a, a resting, quote unquote, lower leg injury type thing. Patrick Beverly is getting a, another night off after uh, being out for a little bit for his knee injury. Um, you know, it's it's concerning for them. But, you know, bright, bright spots in, in this case, though, uh, for the Clippers is despite Paul George being out, you got guys like Marcus Morris giving their best Paul George impression. He put up 32 points. He's dropped six three-pointers against the Heat. Lou Williams is putting up crazy offensive performances. And it's really good to see that their, um, that their depth is really paying off this year because you, you hoped that the way that they had shaped this roster out, it would uh, prove to be a something to lean on if Paul George and Kawhi isn't there. Um, I, I think maybe it's, it's not necessarily a conversation of, oh, the Clippers are going to be supplanting the Lakers in terms of uh, contending conversations, but it's good to see that in a season where there's a lot of injuries, a lot of uncertainty with COVID, that a lot of players have stepped up and played efficiently for both these teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we've seen um, obviously the the two Clipper stars, uh, Leonard and George. They have both had unbelievable starts to the season, and the Clippers are still looking really good. They're they're twenty one and nine, and even the last few games, they're still picking up a few wins, even though they're not playing with their full complement. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the biggest thing for them. I think if they got all their guys reading from the same hymn sheet, they are gonna they are gonna be in a better position than they were last year heading into heading into the playoffs. And that's that's all that's all they're gonna be focusing on. I keep on saying it. Kippers ain't worried about the regular season. It's all about the playoffs. It's all about getting everything right for postseason basketball. And obviously, the George thing, we're not going to blow it out of proportion. You don't want to worry about it too much. But I think that's kind of the big thing to get right now. Also, with Kawhi, kind of like, I'm always waiting for him to have that bit of an injury slump. He kind of always had 
little niggles and that when he was in uh, San Antonio. And then when he played in in Toronto for that year, he was always on restricted games. That he was, I don't think he ever played a back to back. He was, he, they were resting him as much as they possibly could, kind of getting towards the playoffs. So I think Hibbers maybe just needed to be a little bit careful with him there now as well. But I don't think there, there's anything to worry about. And big thing for them, Marcus Smart, Marcus uh, Maris showing his talent, and Lou Williams getting back to the guy that was kind of their main star for, for two, three years. Yeah, listen, I mean, that, that was a deal when I looked at it. I was like, you're you're signing Marcus Morris to a four-year, 50-plus million. Like, I thought that was crazy, but he's really produced for them. Um, and just keep, keeping it going here, talking about these dominant Western Conference teams. We can't stop talking about the Jazz. And another guy that I thought was a terrible signing, Jordan Clarkson, just continuing to light it on fire. He's the Jazz's second best player on the best team in the league right now. Um, he's making that contract look like a bargain, scoring 18 points a game on amazing efficiency and dropping 40 points the other night. And the Jazz are a team that I think, you know, they're going to be on full throttle all year. They're going to want to prove it. We, meanwhile, Los Angeles, both those teams are going to be trying to keep their guys healthy. They're still going to coast into a pretty high seed, but you know, seeding is going to matter for a lot of these teams here. Um, and a few, te- few teams that have been really turning it on recently, I mean, you have the Warriors, you have the Blazers, and um, you, you see how maybe things are going to start to shape up. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, if the Lakers or the Clippers are starting to, to shape out at a certain seed. Some of these teams might really be pushing to win more games or lose more games. You really don't want to be facing either of those Giants in the first round. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just one thing to give so much respect to the Utah Jazz. I think they were on an 11-game win streak, and since that ended, they've now won nine straight, which is just its just so impressive. They're getting contributions from the whole team, 24-5 uh, and five overall. These, these The guys are ready to make a statement here, and they're determined to give themselves the best opportunity to get past the first round of – the uh, the NBA playoffs th- th- uh, this season, but yeah, one guy I really got to talk about. I need to talk Dame. This is Dame's oh, yeah. time. This is just. I mean, people were going on kind of recently about why Steph wasn't really in the MVP conversation. Why the hell is Dame not in the MVP conversation? I mean, yeah. he's having an MVP year. I think so far this season he's averaging 30 points four and a half boards seven and a half assists and just this week this week has been just dame's time i mean they got three wins he's averaging 36 points and 12 assists in those wins and he's just coming up clutch down the stretch for this portland team as as he always does i mean he's got an nba best in clutch in clutch time this season that was at 65 on Monday. I think he's actually boosted that up over the last few games. He's also, that, another stat they brought out is since 2012-13, he's got the most game-tying or go-ahead field goals. So, I mean, this guy always comes up when he's needed. And this year, he's just doing it at such an elite level that he, he's he got to be in that conversation. And I think he he's like, we were kind of drooling over Steph. This guy is matching Steph. And like I'm looking forward to I would love to see these two do battle in the playoffs the way that they're oh my playing God. at the moment. I, the, the, my dream is a 
a if they're the fourth and the fifth seed, that would be an unreal first first round. Um, so I mean, to, to talk about his clutch time, I mean, for the past few years, yeah, he's absolutely been one of the best. No, I would say undeniably the best clutch player in the league. And just look at his stats from just this year. His clutch time stats is eighty two points. And he's shooting 63%, 59% from three. He hasn't missed a single free throw. And he's 12 and three. I mean, that is, that's like career stats for a lot of good players. That's career clutch stats. That's, and this is what he's doing in the first quarter of the season. Not even. That's, I mean, I am always just in awe of it. And it's something for me is he's never asked for that. He's never asked for the attention. He's never been out to, to push his agenda about being an all-star being back when he was being snubbed. He's never been really demanding uh, attention for the MVP. He's just been doing this from day one and the Portland trailblazers around him. They are missing Nurkic. They're missing CJ, but right now they're 18 and 10 and Dame's not doing it all alone. Gary Trent jr. He's really rediscovered his bubble form and, Right now, averaging 20 points per game and really good efficiency. His splits are 49, 48, and 92. He's almost at a 50, 40, 90. I mean, he's basically is. And I think this is actually going to be a really great stretch. Um, it was really sad to see that CJ had his uh, early all-star uh, uh, bet kind of cut short there with his injury. But to give Gary Trent Jr. the time to um, – be more consistent and get back to that groove. If he can keep that going when CJ gets back, I mean, this is a dangerous team. This is not a team that you that you just count right off when they're uh, knocking on the door in the playoffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing. Last year, last year was just just a really bad year for for the Trailblazers. I think they obviously they just edged in, in into into the playoffs in the bubble. They were easy, fairly easily swept aside by the Lakers, and it was just it was just a real disappointing year after after the previous season, which had brought them so much so much success, and they they really lit up they really lit up the playoffs the previous year, and then to go into that obviously impacted by COVID and all that, but the type of players that they have and the type of team that they are, they're they're a team you want to see in the playoffs, and they're a team that. You, you can really get behind as a team that are capable of causing an upset, which we did see in the uh, the 2019 playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, these, there's something about them, and you just hope that they can keep up their form while they're still missing their injured players. Uh, Lillard and, and Trent are, are are leading the way for them, and if they can kind of keep that up, and they, I mean, they're doing they're doing a pretty decent job at the moment, and they're gonna keep around the a similar sort of uh, run that they're. They're in now. They're going to be in a great position when they're back to their full complement, and I think they're going to be well in that playoff race. They're not going to be battling like last year. They're going to be in a in a comfortable enough position. It's just going to be which spot they're going to have in in, in the uh, in the final standings. That's going to be the only question. Yeah, and I you you got to think that they've they've faced this pretty low point in terms of injuries and uh, adjusting. Some of their, their new guys not really playing as uh, well as they'd hope. Um, so I think really their their stock's only going up. Uh, if Gary Trent Jr. stays consistent, if Carmelo Anthony 
continues to be a pretty efficient scorer off the bench. I mean, he's, right now he's shooting 44% from three and he's 18 points a game right now. I, it's impressive to see him continue to embrace his role. Um, and uh, another team that is pushing uh, the Suns. The Suns are starting to look a lot better. as far as when nine of the last 10. And, you know, they did really have a disappointing uh, performance against the Nets. Uh, just seemed to be very characteristic of some of their late game collapses uh, where nobody is able to show up except for Chris Paul. And I, I think um, we've seen more good than bad over this last stretch. And I, I got to think that you're pretty happy with how your guy Devin Booker has been playing. I mean, he's recapturing that superstar look that we saw from him last year. Um, where do you think they stand right now in terms of these teams we're talking about? I, I think there may be a little bit, behind when you talk about the Jazz, when you talk about um, the Lakers, but where, where do you see them right now? Yeah, I'm really liking the look of the, the Suns. Obviously, I was kind of, I was, I was quite disappointed with the way they started the year. They kind of kind of looked like bringing CP3 in was was having a much more negative impact than, than positive uh, after the success they had, uh, bringing back, uh, having Ricky Rubio running run the offense uh, alongside uh, D-Book last year, but CB3 is now starting to have that impact similar to the impact that he had in OKC last year. And it's really coming through in the games. And Booker, he had that little little injury spell. He missed a couple of games, but since coming back from them, uh, over the last five games, he's averaging 30 points, four boards, five assists. The, the Suns have won uh, four of those five games. And that's including wins against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. So, they're beating top quality teams. They're beating teams that are expected to have deep playoff runs. And D-Book is starting to show the bubble form again. And that's that's crucial for them. It's crucial for him. He can't afford to drop off. He's kind of been uh, slowly progressing every year on year. He's becoming that better player. And you just hope, it kind of seemed at the start of the year that that CP3 coming in was kind of affecting Booker's game. But now we're seeing CP3 have a positive impact and it's starting to show in Booker's game as well and you just hope if that continues I'm thinking there's no doubt that the Suns can can be competing with the with the likes of Golden State and the Trailblazers the way that they're playing at the moment yeah I, I love how their team has had really nice chemistry over the stretches where they've all been healthy you see Dario Saric was a plus 18 playing his former former team in the Sixers and He's been great scoring off the bench, playmaking, and even the playmaking they got out of Frank Kaminsky, who's been like mostly useless over these past, I mean, it, since he entered the league, he's been one of the better playmakers off the bench and especially him connecting with uh, Mikhail Bridges. I, I think they're, they're starting to get uh, the structure of a cohesive team that, you know, it, it's not just Devin Booker and a lot of other guys and you just hope they, they figure it out. Like they're, there are patterns and replicable like lineups that you can send out there and really rely on. Um, so, you know, I, I think for a team like this, you can have moments like that against the Nets where they collapse, um, but really encouraging to see them have this recent stretch. And um, so I don't think I'm still there yet considering them um, among teams like the jazz among teams like um, the, the nuggets or the blazers, but it, they're well on their way. And I think this is a very different conversation in a month, two months time, if they continue to uh, really rise here. 
Um, and we're talking a lot of stats here. We're talking about the Western Conference. So I want to throw out another one here that um, I think is really exciting for us to talk about is the ascension of Zion Williamson, um, who has been in his own right scoring incredibly efficiency since the season started. You know, we were really on him for kind of the lack of the team's success and um, among other things, not rebounding as well, not defending as well, but just talking about his efficiency. And meanwhile, the Pelicans are playing a lot better. He's the first player in shot clock era to average 23 points per game on more than 60% shooting in his first 50 career games. And that's better than guys like Kevin McHale, Kareem, Wilt, Shaq. He's doing something that no one's ever done before. And I think this is, you ask for flashes, right? You ask, we always talk about this. You want to see your young guy have flashes and he's done this consistently. And not only that, Steph, uh, Stan Van Gundy, the way that he's started to deploy him as his point forward that we've been waiting for him to become, he's starting to get a lot more comfortable as a playmaker last season or last month, rather, sorry, 2.8 assists per game kind of a meager average for a guy that you want to be running the offense this month. He's at 4.4. He's really shown that he can grow as not just this pound in the paint back to the basket type of guy. Like they're relying on him to create from the perimeter and, you know, he doesn't have a shot yet, but he's doing a lot more than he has in just a month's time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was very critical of Zion earlier in the season. Uh, I just wanted to see more, more from him and, and he's shown that. And I think, there's been a number of games where you've seen him going up against teams and they don't have an answer for him on, on the defensive end. They can't get near him. He's just having it all his own way. The problem now is can they convert this dominance into wins? That's kind of the next step that they need to take. And in order to take that next step, the big thing that they need to do is try and find a way for Zion and Brandon Ingram to kind of learn to complement each other I think it's it's a tough thing to do if that's kind of a thing that often comes naturally between between players but often when you're watching the Pelicans it, it's often one or the other it's like one has yeah. a great game and the other one's kind of not really doing much you want to be able to see them both be able to have big games and when if when and if we are able to see that then we'll start seeing uh, a lot more points going up in the wing column for the Pelicans. They're right in it. They're them. It's going to be really the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the, the Mavericks sure wish that they were that the Mavericks should be right in the, in that conversation we're having with the Blazers. And, and they, yeah. I think they will, they will be, um, I mean, Doncic for all the, the, the criticisms he's getting about his shooting right now, he's up at 45% and, you know, we could talk about them some other time, but they, they shouldn't be in this conversation of a play-in. But the the Pelicans are right there in it. They had a good statement win against the Grizzlies going up against John Morant. Um, so that, yeah, <laughs> I, I think we're, we're going to have a really, really interesting uh, end of the season where the seeding is really going to matter. The, those Western Conference teams are going to try to avoid those teams and the play-in conference, the play-in tournament is going to be amazing. And, the middle of the pack is going to be some great, great series. Um, what I also wanted to talk about here, and this is a realization I had uh, today. We're, we're doing this mini series, right, about rebuilding and team building, how teams become successful. And 
Um, the Warriors, a team that right now is, is in their own right surging. Stephen Curry continues to show us that he's just one of the best players of all time, um, does it every single night. And you realize that they're going to have the Timberwolves first round pick next year. It's top three protected. But this just blew my mind because we're, we're talking constantly about how, you know, that the Timberwolves really can't figure it out this year. Um, so two teams that we're, we're contrasting right now in the in the miniseries. I, I, I was wondering, you know, a lot of trade talk going on. Uh, you know, Drummond, those, that name has been thrown around. Blake has been thrown around. I think I'll, I think both those guys might end up in the, uh, the buyout category. I don't think there's a whole lot of interest there. But another team that's been in the talks for trades is the Hawks, John Collins. And what they're demanding, what it's been reported, is a lottery pick and nothing less than a lottery pick for John Collins. Just curious, is that a guy that you think maybe can fit in with the with the Warriors if they're trying to capitalize on this season and maybe a guy that they can keep long term? It's an interesting one. I think. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but. Well, let me sell it to you. Yeah, it it depends on what their what their their thinking is. I guess it just depends on, on what the Warriors Warriors plan is. We were kind of talking a bit about this uh, about this earlier, whether they are going to do the right thing, I would say, and fully commit to getting kind of the best kind of group that they can around Steph this year and uh, hopefully Steph and Clay next year to try and build another championship competitor, or they're going to look at, Next year is probably going to be a fairly stacked draft. They have the number two pick this year. Are they just going to have and get another talented young guy that, that that they could build around for the future alongside Wiseman and guys that are going to be there to take over the franchise when, when Clay and Steph drop off? I guess that's kind of the big thing. But I've been really impressed with John Collins. John Collins kind of came out, he made that statement by not signing the deal, saying he wanted to test it test the waters he thought he was good enough to to get a bigger contract and he's shown that in in large stretches this year he's been very impressive so if that's if the warriors plan is is to to trade that pick regardless of what it ends up being i think that's that's a very interesting a very interesting idea for them and i think it's certainly one they can they should consider especially with the with the format in in Golden State and the coaching there, I think they'd be able to fit in a, a talented offensive player like, like John Collins. I mean, think about how he fits in. And, and just to, to paint the picture from what you said, um, you know, last year he shot an amazing 41% from three. And this year he's, he's doing it again. He's doing almost – he's shooting over 42% from three. And he's gotten better on the defensive end. The, the Hawks are nine points better per possession defensively when he's on the floor. Um, and he's a guy that if you imagine how Draymond Green and, and Clay and Steph, how they play with lob threats, like he's what he's proven over the past couple of years. Now he's one of the best lob threats in the league. And he's Kelly Oubre. He's nice, but uh, Kelly Oubre has shown he's not consistent offensively. Like John Collins is a super, super charged version of what Kelly Oubre basically isn't doing now. 
Um, and the, the thing is too, it, when you, it's really an interesting position that the Warriors are in, because like you said, you know, they could just completely invest in the future, but this is kind of doing both. You, you get a guy who's still on team control. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Um, and he does, he does want a lot of money, but if you think that that's a guy that can help Steph and Clay and, and Draymond win another championship, and he's also a guy that can continue to get better and bridge the gap between this team and the next. I mean, I, I, I mean, that seems perfect. It, I couldn't think of a better deal right now. Cause you think about this draft. It's amazing. You got guys like um, you saw that show from Kaminga and Jalen green the other night in the G league guys look very talented. I mean, a lot of people licking their chops at the top of the lottery at some of these wings that could be franchise changers but they're not going to be franchise changers. Now you only get the splash brothers once in a lifetime. You know, I, you're not going to rebuild what they had there. If you have a chance to get Steph and clay, another ring, you do it, you do it. Um, but it, it'll be interesting how the, how the Hawks approach this. Um, it's there right now. They're still struggling a bit. Um, Gallinari hasn't quite gotten his, uh, the chemistry down that I think the only real shining addition that they've had, I mean, Capella's added last year, but didn't really see a lot of time. Capella has been fantastic there. He's kept that defense afloat. I mean, he's basically the only reason they're not giving up 130 points a game. Um, but they, they really need to figure out a way to, I, I think the reason that we want to pick is they, they realize that they still need to rebuild here. Mm. that they're they're pushing to be competitive but they're nowhere near really competing in the playoffs right now I've I've not seen it you haven't seen a lot of growth from Cam Reddish he's again still showing flashes here and there um and losing DeAndre Hunter um I'm, I'm not sure his timetable yet but that was a huge huge loss and not even having Bogdanovich to see the floor right now after he was averaging career lows and basically everything, including minutes for a guy who wanted to play better. Um, they, if they can get some value out of Collins to get another pick and keep this rebuild going, I think that would be mutually beneficial for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we kind of looked at the, the kind of the moves that they made in the off season, like they had kind of built up a bit more, a bit more of a solid base for the team for the future, but it's been injuries for all of them. None of them have had any sort of consistent time on the floor. None of them have been able to get into any sort of form. So it's almost like the same team as last year, really. And obviously you mentioned the big impact Capella has, and that's been crucial for them. And Trey Young is, he's probably not, he's still having, he's still having a good, a good season and there's still, He's still a guy that I believe in as a, as as a franchise leader, but I think they are they they're in the right frame of mind that they're thinking maybe move on from Collins and and look to continue this rebuild. It's it's likely, obviously you hear it a lot that the draft's going to be stacked, but it looks like they're going to be it's going to be a pretty strong draft this year. So I think that they could find a really important piece. This is still a young team; they don't need to get a piece in that's going to win them, put them on the championship level straight away. They can get a guy in who can, who can take a season or two to kind of develop into the league and then they can really be a team then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I totally agree with that. It's the patience, and we're going to talk about this more in, in our mini series, talking about how teams should they be more patient? Do you do you move now? Do you do you end your rebuilds right away? And uh, one of these teams that I think we should do a little update on. We were very well. I I can't say I can't say that I was high on them. You were very very. <laughs> the Cavaliers have sunk back from the stratosphere being the best defense in the league and taking it to the nets <laughs> all the way back to reality. They are now the, basically the worst team categorically offensively and defensively. And they look a lot like the Cavaliers. And an interesting note here is it's correlated completely with a guy that I think I've been underrating Larry Nance Jr guy's been super solid for them on both, both ends of the floor, both in spacing, defense, and playmaking. And um, they don't look good at all. It, it, it was a nice flash in the pan in the beginning. Is this a slump for them, or is this just reality? Um, I think it's kind of an exaggerated slump, I would say. I, sure. I think they're, they're a little bit better than, than, than their current form shows, but I don't, like, don't get me wrong, they're still, they're still way off it. I think uh, the funny thing is, I think it was Sexton or Garland, I'm not sure which one, made a comment kind of saying that this is kind of starting to see the real Cavaliers now. They're really starting to come out of their <laughs> shell. And I think since then, they've lost 11 straight. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, they yeah. spoke a little bit too early about themselves. But I think this, yeah, mm-hmm. well, like I said, an exaggerated slump. I don't think they're as bad as their current run of form is showing. But at the same time, it, 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 it's kind of the thing, I think the league and I think yeah, the Cavs themselves needed to kind of see that they're still, they're still uh, one, of the, one of the worst teams in this league and there's still a long way to go before they're any sort of competitor. Yeah, and this is why like the early season takes are tough. You don't want to go all in on them because there's so much variance in how teams come out. Um, I mean, you can't help but go crazy when they beat the Nets two nights in a row. And Sexton, I mean, what he drops 57 points in two games against them. Um, but I mean, their schedule has been tough. I mean, they've faced the Clippers, Milwaukee twice, Phoenix, Denver, Portland, Clip, Clippers again, Golden State. Like, I, I think they, they had to expect that they were going to come out at the other end of this bloody. <laughs> and they got the Spurs, then the Nuggets again. And you just, they can't wait until they're, they're facing a little bit uh, easier competition, but in a season where you got some pretty, pretty good lottery prospects, you kind of hope you get a couple of stretches like that, to be honest. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, 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 not the worst thing in the world for them when they, they know they have talent and they're, they're, they're the possibility of, uh, of uh, getting a, a high, a high, uh, a high prospect. Is uh, is definitely definitely a good a good sign for Cleveland, and they've always been pretty lucky with getting that getting a high uh, high pick in the lottery. Yeah, they've uh, if they got another number one pick, that would just be um, they've they've had too many too many. <laughs> so another small move, and I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. Um, talking about the Nets again. I know we're always talking about the Nets, but it's important because I need to talk about when I'm right. It doesn't happen very often. But a guy that we talked about, it, Andre Roberson, a guy who's just been hanging out waiting for a team to sign him, a defensive stud. I mean, this this guy, if if he could shoot the basketball, I mean, he's can defend four positions. And that's finally picked him up. Um, 
you know, the, the Nets have continued to look inconsistent at best, an absolute sieve at worst on defense. Does this do enough for them to really stop guys? Can, can they finally maybe deploy Andre Roberson and, and hope that that does it for them? I'm, I'm not. I'll, I'll let definitely you decide. Definitely doesn't do it. I definitely doesn't, definitely doesn't completely plug the hole. Because at the end of the day, the Nets are kind of trying to get all their offense, or sorry, all their defense from guys that didn't have a team. That's that's like that's the other they're searching around in the market for guys that no team considered good enough to to sign from the start of the season to find all their defense. And I know that's what uh, like a lot of the the top teams do that do that every year. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of it's it's definitely going to be a big uh, a big boost for them and a big improvement. But at the same time, you can't be overly reliant on guys to basically provide the majority of your defense when they have not been playing consistently, they have been free agents and you expect them to come in and just be at the level that they always, they always have been. I think it's a lot to, it's a, it's a lot to expect from, from guys like that. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I expect a lot from him. I mean, the level of defense that he's brought from the perimeter has certainly been, I mean, you expect him to guard, your Paul Georges, your Kawhi Leonard's, your your um, LeBron James's, but and that's you know you got to take as many as many defensive positives as you can for this team that has frankly none outside of Jeff Green here and there, and DeAndre Jordan just continues to look like a, a non-factor on the defensive end. He just can't do it for a full game, and that's the biggest thing. They they are if you watch these games, they start out they're not giving up a whole lot of points in the beginning from the perimeter they're getting it all inside I mean that, that's how the the Pistons destroyed them just going inside constantly and there's just no resistance um, they're getting lobs they're getting straight drives they couldn't defend the pick and roll and I don't know if Andre Roberson fixes that aspect of it um, I mean he'll, he'll definitely prevent a lot of the the dribble penetration that has plagued this defense but in terms of defending the paint I, I think there's still another move away. Um, but I think it, it's a huge move to at least move the needle in the right direction. It's good to see the Nets are, I mean, they're quite aware of how bad their defense is. I mean, Harden says it in basically every interview. Um, and tonight they're going to be facing the Lakers. And it'd be interesting to see them match up without Anthony Davis on the floor. That'll be a huge factor. It's been talked about ad nauseum about how they won't be able to defend him. But let, let's see how, how they can match up at least against LeBron and what has shown to be a pretty deep Lakers team. A guy like Dennis Schroeder. Can they prevent Dennis Schroeder from getting the paint over and over tonight? Um, that's, I, I think I, I might have a pretty good answer for that. But one, one thing to, to watch out for tonight, and maybe we'll get a prediction here out of you, but um, the Nets have played pretty well against good teams. They've played very well, really. I mean, they've been a, they've been a average to above average defense against uh, teams that are over 500. Um, maybe you see a little bit more fight for them tonight. Um, how many points are the Lakers putting up on the Nets tonight? Oh, that's tough now. Now with no AD, you know, it's it's tough, tough to tough to make that call. Yeah, let's have a go. Well, you know it's going to be all-out offense from from Brooklyn. So let's say 
We'll say I'll go I'll go 100, 115. For the Lakers, the 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 Nets are the Nets are going to play that much defense. I'm not. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, I I'm thinking LeBron. No one's defending LeBron tonight. LeBron's getting a 40 point triple double. <laughs> He's getting a 40 point triple. Yeah, double. I'd love to see that. That'll be just that'll be the perfect way for him to mark mark getting there. Uh, hitting that 35,000 point mark. Where, where do I put my money down? And speaking of money, I just, this is the last last thing we need to talk about. Did you hear that story? This guy dropped 50, what is it, $50,000 on the Wizards winning the NBA championship. What? <laughs> when does this that everyone work? <laughs> I mean, hey, it, the, the headline was... Uh, Guy can win, our Wizards fan bets on his team and can win $5 million. But the, <laughs> the I'd rather burn, I'd rather burn $50,000 and then put it out on YouTube and make, make some money off of that than be betting I, on the Wizards. I, I can only assume this guy is quite comfortable and $50,000 ain't much to him, but. Uh... <laughs> I was, I was going to say. <laughs> I hope, I hope for his sake, uh, else he might need some therapy or something. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's about going to do it for this episode here. We are excited to watch that game tonight. We'll definitely uh, see how that ends up going. There'll be a lot of a lot of early takes. If the if the Nets win, everyone's going to be all see. It's 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 now the Clippers and the Nets, and without Anthony Davis, LeBron can't do it. But uh, a lot of early takes are going to come out from that tomorrow. But again, very excited. Tomorrow we're going to do our second installation of our don't trust the process. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how to build these teams up, how to get franchises in the right place. And we'll see you all tomorrow on the next episode. Can't wait, man. Take care. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment